Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello everyone, and welcome back to New Books and Christian Studies, a channel on the New Books Network podcast. I am your host, Crawford Gribben, and today my guest is Jonathan G. Klein. Jonathan is Senior Editor at Hendricks and Publishers in Massachusetts. He's also the author of the recent monograph, Elusive Soundplay in the Hebrew Bible, published by SBL in 2016. And today we're talking to Jonathan about his new project, the Two Minutes a Day Biblical Language Series, which is a series of, I think, five volumes, including uh, work on Greek, Hebrew and Aramaic. Jonathan, thank you very much for coming on to the show and congratulations on your project. Thank you so much, Crawford. It's a real pleasure to be here talking with you. Well, it's, it's really a pleasure for us to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we begin to talk about your publications? Sure, I'd be glad to give you a, a brief synopsis of my academic life. Um, I was uh, born north of Boston, uh, and when I was really young, I moved. my family moved out to Southern California because my dad was uh, teaching in seminary out there. So I lived in California for six years. That was Westminster uh, Theological Seminary. And then we moved back to Massachusetts, and uh, that's where I grew up, north of Boston, uh, near another seminary, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where my dad was also working, and um, my grandfather uh, was teaching there, too, uh, for, he taught there for many years. So my grandfather and dad both have the same name. (laughs) It's uh, Meredith Klein. So my grandfather is the more well-known of the two, but uh, my dad is named after him as well. Um, So uh, both Meredith's... uh, were Old Testament scholars, and um, they taught Old Testament and Hebrew, uh, and my dad also worked in the library at Gordon-Conwell. So I grew up around uh, seminaries and, uh, you know, with the Bible, kind of academic study of the Bible uh, being in the background of my life. So those were uh, important things in shaping uh, who I am. Um, I grew up in a small Presbyterian denomination, um, so that's my faith tradition. Um, I did my undergraduate degree at Cornell University in upstate New York in Ithaca, and um, I took a fair number of courses in uh, a variety of subjects there, computer science, math, uh, some courses in the engineering school, and so it kind of took me a while to settle on what I wanted to do for my degree, but eventually I guess the gravity of the family background pulled me back, so I, I majored in Near Eastern Studies, and ancient Near Eastern Studies specifically. Uh, so, uh, but I felt privileged to be able to take courses in a variety of subjects, and I think in certain ways that's informed the way I think about uh, the different projects that I work on at Hendrickson, for example, which we'll talk about more later. Um, then after college, I moved back to my hometown and I uh, did a master's degree in biblical languages at Gordon-Conwell, um, which was a lot of fun. And it was great to uh, dive into the uh, biblical text in the original there. Um, 
And then uh, after seminary, I went to Harvard and I did a PhD there in Hebrew Bible. Uh, and I graduated in 2014. Uh, so you had uh, mentioned my book with SBL Press, Elusive Sound Play in the Hebrew Bible. So that's a uh, uh, abridgment and slight revision of my dissertation. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun working on that project. It brings together various uh, strands of my education. I, at Cornell, I studied with Gary Rensberg, uh, who's a wonderful person and great scholar. And he uh, works on literary aspects of the Bible, and uh, he's particularly interested in uh, sound play and other kinds of word play. Uh, actually, I'll just mention uh, as an aside that Hendrickson just published a uh, uh, large, uh, wonderful work by him called How the Bible is Written, which I would highly recommend. It's very interesting, um, but it brings together a lot of Gary's interests and uh, studies, including on wordplay and other things. So Gary had a, a big influence on my thinking. And um, one thing I've always appreciated about him is that he really uh, has a, a feel for how interesting and fun uh, studying the Bible can be. And uh, reading uh, closely and paying attention to all of its literary details. And so uh, I felt that in my dissertation, uh, I was able to uh, have that uh, mindset. And so it was just a really fun project to work on. Um, so, uh, yeah, what else uh, in terms of educational background? Uh, well, I should mention that the, the most important thing that happened to me at Harvard was meeting my wife, uh, Joanna, um, who was doing or she did her MDiv. Uh, and that's what she was doing at the time there when we met. And then she went on to do her Ph.D. in Hebrew Bible at Harvard as well. Um, so people often ask us if we, you know, have say we must have really interesting, you know, dinner table conversations and uh uh, all that about Bible. And I usually respond that we have three little kids. And so usually at dinner table, we're just, you know, we're talking about all sorts of stuff, but it's all never really Bible. So, uh, it's, it's a fun and uh, busy time for us, but occasionally we do get to talk about Bible, which is, which is fun. Good. Um, yeah. you, you're obviously, you know, very appreciative of your, your family background, your father and grandfather and their interest in Hebrew Bible, Hebrew language, ancient Near East, um, literature and culture uh, as well and you have taken a lead in putting together for publication some materials by Meredith G. Klein I believe. Yeah I have thanks for asking about those yeah I so yeah my grandfather Meredith G. Klein he uh, was a reformed uh, biblical scholar and theologian and he published um, works on covenant theology primarily and um, uh, other aspects of kind of Hebrew Bible and ancient Near East. Um, he has several books that people who know of him and like his material are uh, pretty fond of, like Kingdom Prologue, and he had a book on Deuteronomy called Treaty of the Great King, where he compares it to the Hittite treaties, um, the book of Deuteronomy to the Hittite treaties. Um, and it, one of the things I always appreciated about his work, and I think uh, others that I've spoken with appreciate as well, is his creativity he had a conservative and reformed outlook in terms of his theology, but he was always interested in expressing that in fresh ways and in tying uh, that point of view uh, or elucidating maybe how um, uh, it's 
richness can come to the fore by uh, through comparison with ancient Near Eastern data and extra biblical data. And so a lot of his insights are found in uh, articles that he wrote over the years. And um, so I had it in mind for some years to try to collect uh, some of what I felt to be his most insightful uh, articles and also most pastorally sensitive articles as well. He always had that side of him, uh, too. In addition to the academic side, he um, has a very had a very pastoral nature um, in terms of the points of why he was teaching and writing. And so I, I had it in mind to collect those articles in a volume. Uh, and after I started working at Hendrickson, I suggested that we might do that here. And, uh, the publishing board was, uh, you know, thought it was a good idea and uh, they accepted the idea. So, uh, yeah, a few years ago, um, we published a book called essential writings of Meredith G. Klein came out in 2017. So, it's a collection of uh, 16 of his articles, and I structured them according to certain uh, kind of broad categories, creation, covenant law, and the state, faith, the gospel, and justification, redemption, and resurrection, and consummation. Uh, I put the articles in these different categories in, in order to show the, the different topics which he addressed and uh, also to give readers a, a feel for the maybe the scope and also our, long-term arc of his uh, his writing projects so yeah i think uh i think it's a nice volume in terms of uh, bringing his uh works together and uh for people who have enjoyed them over the years and also bringing them to new audiences also my dad wrote a biographical sketch of his dad my grandfather uh, for this book too so i think and i wrote a little introduction for it uh in which i try to contextualize my understanding of his work so that was a nice family project to work on uh, my grandfather had passed away by the time we worked on this, but my dad and I were able to to put it together, and so um, yeah, I think it's a, a nice uh, yeah, it's a nice family collection to do. That's wonderful. And before we start talking in more detail about your publications, uh, Jonathan, could you tell us about your role at Hendrickson? What kinds of things you do, and perhaps also as an editor, what kinds of projects you're looking for? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I, I came on in 2014 after I'd finished at Harvard. And um, I came on as, a, well, the academic editor at Hendrickson is a pretty small company, so um, the academic editor at the time, Alan Emery, uh, retired, and I um, I took the position, and uh, now I'm senior, my title is senior editor. Um, and, yeah, one of the things, I love so many things about Hendrickson. One of the things I really appreciate is that, um, we're we're kind of small and nimble in terms of what we're able to do and uh, so we can be creative in certain ways and uh, in terms of the products we take on uh, another aspect of our size is that I'm able to deal uh, to one degree or another with most of the aspects of the publishing process so I'm do a lot of the uh, academic acquisitions for Hendrickson I am involved with copy editing project management author relations. Uh, I work very closely with our typesetter. Um, I, I joke to him that I'm kind of a wannabe typesetter <laughs> and graphic <laughs> designer. So <laughs> maybe, I, maybe he thinks I work a little too closely with him, but we have a good time and, uh, you know, we've been able to produce some really solid resources together. 
uh, by combining our skills. Um, and, uh, yeah, I work, you know, in, uh, with our marketing team as well and talking to endorsers and things. So it's, I really appreciate being to work, uh, being able to work, um, in all aspects of the, the, well, almost all aspects of the publishing process. It's given me a good sense for what's involved, uh, from the beginning to the end of the process. So in terms of, uh, as I mentioned, I'm the primary acquisitions editor in terms of, uh, academic books here. Um, the one of the main, I guess the, I'd say we have two main foci in terms of acquisitions right now where I do. Um, one of them is, uh, well, the main one is biblical language uh, materials. So the one of the primary things we'll talk about today is the keep up your uh, biblical language uh, series. Um, and also I just came out with another uh a book kind of in that vein, but a little different on Proverbs uh, called the Proverb a Day in Biblical Hebrew. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, and we have some other great things in the pipeline, uh, a few of which I can mention later too. So uh, we're trying to uh, just produce innovative, fresh resources that are really user-friendly, that help people connect with the biblical languages. Uh, there are a lot of great resources out there and a number of publishers are producing really good stuff. And so we're just trying to make a contribution where we see gaps in the field. And, um, you know, I try to think and for myself and also talk to people and ask what resources would lay, they like to see out there to really help them connect with the biblical texts in a way that they can't right now. So that's that's the main focus uh, that I'm really excited about and passionate about, and I think that the company is you know very enthusiastic about is biblical language resources. So I'm always happy to talk to folks uh, if they have ideas about products they want to write or um, or ones that they want us to produce or um, somebody else to produce that they'd like to see out there. Uh, a more minor focus maybe, but still sort of central uh, to my acquisitions role is we're trying to produce a really accessible relatively brief monographs on topics that are of interest to the academy and the church and that are based on really good scholarship but are also very accessible. Um, so, for example, uh, a couple of years ago we published The Bible and Archaeology by Mathieu Richel, a uh, wonderful French scholar, uh, and the uh, feedback we've received on the book has been really great. I think people really appreciate how accessible it is, how ironic it is. Uh, Mathieu is very even-handed, and um, he just is able very well in the book to communicate clearly what the promises of archaeology are, what its limits are, how the study of archaeology interfaces with study of the biblical texts in a way that's understandable and winsome and uh, that you know, can reach many audiences. And so that kind of book we value as well, uh, since, you know, Hendrickson's basic mission is to produce high quality books that are, uh, that serve the academy and the church. And so those are, those two foci of mine kind of fit into that overall mission. Now, the emphasis you've just explained, both personally and professionally, in encouraging the maintenance of biblical language skills seems to be something that, that a lot of people are quite concerned about nowadays, isn't it? Lots of seminaries, universities, colleges emphasize the teaching, particularly of Greek and Hebrew. But so often, people who spend time learning these languages struggle to maintain their skills. Why is that a problem? And how does this new series, the Two Minutes a Day Biblical Language series, address that problem? 
yeah, those are great uh, observations and, and questions. Uh, yeah, as you know well, with, uh, seminaries, I think, are increasingly feeling burdened financially and, and uh, for other reasons, too. Uh, and it's difficult for the ones that even historically have had requirements for Greek and Hebrew to keep those up. And of course, the residential model of seminaries is, is changing with online education. So there's a, there's a lot going on in that area, and there are some real challenges. Um, I think it it goes without saying that the knowing the biblical language as well is vital for. Um, understanding the biblical text as well as one can for teaching it, for preaching it, uh, for doing uh, scholarship on the biblical texts. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's kind of a platitude to say those things. But um, yeah, I think the real question is you brought up is how does how do seminaries and other institutions and publishers uh, you know, keep the study and use of these languages alive? Because I think most people uh, in the church, uh, for example, would say, uh, you know, it's very important to study the biblical languages or for a minister to study them. And yet there are so many, uh, so many things in our uh, present lives that make it difficult to do that. So mentioned the kind of institutional challenges, uh, that seminaries face. And I, obviously there are a lot of challenges that, uh, any of us individually, face as well that make it difficult to uh, retain the languages, especially after we study them. I, I guess there's maybe two issues here. One is, are people actually going to study the languages in the first place? And I was kind of speaking to that a moment ago, and that's maybe more on the institutional side of things. Then I don't pretend to have any expertise uh, on that question or know what the answers uh, are. I mean, I think there probably have to be a number of answers to that. Um, but I focus more on, there are so many good resources that help people learn Greek and Hebrew. So I, I, I tend to think that my role is not to be putting out, you know, another introductory grammar necessarily, or kind of a, a introductory resources of that nature, because there's so many great ones out there and professors can choose from among them. What I focus on more is helping people keep up the languages because in my experience, that's something that most people have a lot of difficulty with. So let me just, to be concrete, let me just mention a few challenges that I think a lot of us face, regardless of our particular circumstances, in keeping up uh, with the languages, uh, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. But I mean, these considerations could go pretty much for any other language uh, as well. Um, I think one of the most obvious challenges is time. There's so many things that vie for our time. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, my wife and I both have PhDs in Hebrew Bible, but mostly when we're at home, you know, we're raising our kids and trying to have fun as a family and, uh, you know, cook and pay the bills and things like that. And so, um, so many of us just, uh, you know, we, we have busy lives, uh, just kind of doing the, the normal day to day things that even, when we have advanced degrees in these subjects, we're not just going to sit down uh, with our Hebrew Bible uh, every day and open it up. It's just that there's not time a lot of days because of all the other things we're doing. Uh, of course, technology provides a big challenge these days. So many people are addicted to their phones and you know our phones are always with us and the Internet is usually accessible. 
uh, from all sorts of devices. Uh, people tend to be overscheduled. So just, just these obvious things that we're all aware of um, that, that demand our time and that can distract us. Uh, there's so many good things we spend our time in, but obviously there are a lot of things we can fritter away our time on too that can distract us and the not so good things. Um, so, so time is a big, big factor. Um, I'll just say one more thing in that regard. A lot of pastors uh, are bivocational, so their time is really stretched for that reason. Um, and in addition to that, there's just one of the main takeaways I got from being in seminary and studying with a lot of uh, ministers and training was just I got a sense of how difficult it is to be a, a member of the clergy. And I have a lot of respect for for pastors and other uh, clergy members who were just trying to meet so many demands and trying to minister to in so many different ways. It's it's just an uh, amazingly difficult job. And so I, I really have a lot of respect for people who do that. And I, I sympathize with the demands on their time. And of course, that's a large portion of the audience we're trying to reach. Um, a second thing, in addition to time that I find that people uh, find challenging is I think there's just kind of an inertia and maybe there are psychological inhibitions that people have when it comes to uh, keeping up languages. Something that I've heard many times over the years, especially in the United States, uh, is, you know, people will say things like, well, I studied Spanish for four years in high school, but I don't really remember much of it at all. Uh, and uh, I don't know the degree to which uh, the second language retention uh, is a difficulty for people in other countries. I know when I've traveled more in Europe or the Middle East, for example, there's there's just more opportunities for people to speak different languages. Many people are bilingual or trilingual growing up. Um, but I know that here in the States, it's a, it, um, it's a common problem that people will study a language and uh, just not retain it very well. And it's the basic principle of use it or lose it, which, of course, we face with any subject. I mean, I, how much of the mathematics that I studied in school do I remember? Not necessarily very much. Uh, but I think there's something about the way our brains are wired that makes it particularly difficult for us to retain languages or learn new ones as adults. Uh, that's a commonly documented fact that when you're younger, it's just generally easier to learn new languages. And so I think there's a certain um, kind of inertia because of that. People look back and they think, I spent all of this time learning this language, but they feel guilty maybe or uh, discouraged because they can't really remember much of it. So I think there are kind of psychological factors that make people reluctant to, to pick up a text uh, in a language that they've studied. And especially in seminary, people tend to, or uh, other school environments, People often spend a lot of money and time studying these languages, time away from their family, for example. And so uh, that that can also produce, I think, guilt and discouragement when you think of everything they put into studying it, but now you know they don't aren't really able to use it. So I, I think that's something I try to keep in mind in thinking about how can we develop products that help people overcome the time issue. Uh, and that kind of those psychological factors or the, the inertia element that might prevent them. I'm happy to mention a couple other things that I think uh, maybe make it difficult for people to retain languages, but I know I've been going on for a while here, so you can stop me if you want. Oh, it's, it's great, Jonathan. It's great to hear you explain all this. So you've, you've described 
the problem very, very precisely. And you've also provided a, a solution to this problem, the Two Minutes a Day Biblical Language series. Um, a brilliant five-part series. Uh, I'm looking here at the first volume in Greek. There's a second volume in Greek. There's two volumes of Hebrew text, and there's a fifth volume of Aramaic text. These are, I mean, you, you mentioned before design. These are beautifully designed books. Uh, they're a very familiar shape and color. Hmm. Um, yeah, thank you for uh, your kind comments about the design. Uh, yeah, I, I really value good design, and I think Hendrickson as a publishing company does as well. So it's one thing I really appreciate about working here is, um, is that aspect of things that we, we focus on uh, excellence of content, but also of design so that the user can have an ex a positive experience. I, I think one thing that stands in the front of my mind these days is that there's so much information out there. You know, you, if you have an internet connection, you can basically have access to any information you want at any time. And there, there's so many good books out there in terms of biblical languages, as I said. But I think given the glut of information, what I, many people, it seems, want is they want an authentic reading experience, a user experience that is satisfying not only on the level of content, but also on the level of aesthetics. And I, obviously, that's always been true, you know, for probably human history. And I, mm. I was just reading, I, I know you work in early print culture, I believe. So I'd, I'd be interested to hear more about what uh, what you've studied in that regard. But uh, and of course, no one can mention different things about, you know, general generational issues like, uh, you know, millennials wanting more of an experience and kind of the, uh, in terms of using using products. I think be, maybe because of these factors of um, this kind of uh, this glut of information. Uh, but I think people of every generation, uh, you know, appreciate having information packaged in a beautiful way. And so that's something I try to think about a lot. I, I think also. Um, yeah, well, let me let me address the the how the two minutes a day books specifically deal with like the challenges I was uh, mentioning earlier in terms of access in the languages. So the, the, the production and the formatting definitely is part of that. Maybe I'll start though with talking about the time and inertia problems that I discussed and then I could talk about the formatting. So I think in, in terms of the time issue, the two minutes a day books, I'll, I'll do my best to explain them here in case the listeners, uh, you know, if they don't have a copy in their hands, it might be a little bit hard to um, visualize what's going on in the page, but there are sample pages online. Basically, um, the books are 365-day readers, uh, so there's one page per day, and each page has uh, a verse from the Bible. So, yeah, I, I have the first volume of the uh, biblical Greek volumes here in my hands right now. And so I... So to address the time issue, uh, the the book allows you to just focus on one verse at a time, one verse a day if you like. Of course, you can read more if you want to or you have more time. But it gives you the space that if you just have a little bit of time, you can still uh, get benefit uh, from the book and still get into the language uh, and review. So I think one thing that's difficult if you just pick up uh, a Hebrew Bible or a Greek Bible, and you're staring at a large mass of text, you think, where do I start? Uh, how much should I read today? Uh, there's just this large block of text in front of me. It's kind of daunting. 
And so I, I tried to address that issue and the issue of time by just having small bite-sized portion of text uh, per day. And I make different suggestions in the preface about how one can use uh, the page for the day, regardless of how much time you have. So basically, what's on the page is there's the verse in English uh, with a few of the Greek, uh, a few of the Greek words from the verse are kind of embedded in the English verse, and uh, the corresponding English text is in bold. Uh, and then after that, I present a new word for the day. Uh, with some glosses, some basic glosses, a new vocabulary word, which is one of the words that's embedded in the text. And then I provide the Greek text for the verse uh, with the words uh, for the day, the three words highlighted. And then I have a, a section at the bottom of the page where the English text and the Greek text are broken into the phrases or clauses that correspond to each other, again, with all the, the words uh, highlighted. So basically, there's there's a number of things going on on each page, but uh, there are, there are several ways that you can access the text depending on how much time you have. So in the preface, I say that let's say you only have like 10 or 15 seconds uh, to look at this. You just want to glance at it. Well, it's better to open the book and just glance at the page than not open it all on a day. So you know you might glance at the word for the day and just remind yourself of its its meanings uh, or uh, or if you're not familiar with the word, you're learning a new Greek word. Um, or you might just read the verse in English with the Greek words embedded. And you just, again, are reminded of a few words from Greek, basically what they mean. Uh, or if you have uh, a minute or two minutes, you could uh, do both of those things. Mull over the uh, vocabulary word for the day, uh, read through the text in English, paying attention to the Greek words that are embedded in it. You might choose instead... Uh, to try to work through uh, the Greek verse, uh, the entire Greek verse, if you're able to, or just through a clause or two of it. So there's a lot of ways you can use the book even in a short amount of time. Naturally, if you have a lot more time, uh, or, or even a little more time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you can read multiple pages, you can read and reread uh, one particular page, um, you can uh, dwell on the words that you, know, you don't know, look them up in a lexicon um, to, to get more of a sense for them. So I tried to make the book versatile in terms of time. The, the marketing hook, of course, is two minutes a day. And uh, that's the point of that is to say that you should feel that you can really work on staying in the language even with just a little bit of time every day. The point is regular practice, even for a little uh, bit of time. There's been studies recently about how the same thing is true of exercise, for example. If you, even if you go for, you know, a, a brief walk every day, that's like way better for your health than not doing it at all. And of course, it doesn't mean you're going to be in super good shape if you just go for a very brief walk every day or something. The same same with the languages. If you just spend, you know, two minutes with Greek uh, every day, it doesn't mean that you will have mastered New Testament Greek or you know be able to read anything you want in the New Testament uh, without help. But it it goes along. It can go a long way uh, toward keeping it fresh and keeping it in your mind and really giving you benefit. Um, but obviously, you know, more time. The more time you spend, uh, the, the better it is for your abilities. Um, I'm going on at length again, so I'm happy to talk about other, uh, no, other this, things. This, this is yeah, all go. good, Jonathan. It's all good. So there are, in this five-volume series, just remind us, two volumes on Greek, two volumes in Hebrew, 
a single volume on Aramaic. And I think you just mentioned previously a new project, which is a similar kind of project, but using the Hebrew text of Proverbs. That's right. Yeah, this one is um, it's called A Proverb a Day in Biblical Hebrew. And so in some ways, it's a companion volume to the Two Minutes a Day series. Uh, it's not technically part of it, and it's a bit different. So the similarity is that um, the size of the book is about the same, and it has it's a 365-day reader with one verse per page. So the basic concept is the same, just allowing you to focus on a nugget of text uh, each sitting, if you want. Um, but in this book, um, what I do is the formatting on each page is is different from the two minutes a day book. So, uh, so what I do is the, you know, each, uh, verse in the book of Proverbs, well, not every verse, but most of the verses in the book of Proverbs that basically, uh, buy cola or they have two poetic lines. So, uh, you know, I've, the first line is laid out at the top of the page. The second line is laid out roughly in the middle of the page. And then below each poetic line, um, I divide, uh, well, I basically put each word on, on a line, uh, construct phrases, so kind of genitive phrases I keep together on a line. And then I provide, um, a number of glosses, normally more than one and sometimes many, uh, potential glosses for each word that I think fit the context. And all the verbs are parsed as well. Um, and so basically I, I try to give you all the building blocks that you would need to work through, uh, the verse. Uh, and wrestle with it, uh, think about its syntax, uh, what you think um, the semantics of the particular words are um, in, in that verse. And then two pages later, so you have to flip the page if you want to see this, I provide uh, my own translation. Uh, and because I provide a straightforward rendering of everything on the page for the day, uh, I allowed myself to be somewhat creative in uh, the renderings that I offer uh, just to, to give another angle on uh, looking at the text and basically trying to, the, the point of the book is to encourage the reader to, uh, to say, here are all the building blocks you need to figure out this verse on your own. Uh, and so try to put it together as best you can. And then in my translation, I'm putting it together in one way. I'm not saying this is the only way to put it together. And of course, there's a lot of published translations out there that readers can consult too. But so it's the, this book is somewhat different from the two minutes a day books because, um, because I'm offering my own translations and also because everything's parsed and, uh, everything is glossed. So it, it's kind of like more information, uh, to allow you to wrestle, uh, wrestle to the text, which I think is helpful, particularly in the case of Proverbs because they're pretty difficult to understand some of the time. Well, that sounds like a fantastic resource as well, Jonathan. Are you able to tell us about anything else that might be in development that we can look forward to seeing? Uh, yeah, I might have to be a little vague here. I uh, have some projects in the works. Uh, I probably shouldn't give too many details, but um, I think now that I've put out these uh, six uh, daily readers, the two minutes a day books and a proverb a day, I think I might take a break for at least a little while from the daily reader concept. I think those, um, that format I think is really helpful for getting people back into the languages. Um, and I think with Proverbs, it's really helpful because those texts are very difficult to understand. They're often contextually unrelated to the ones around them with some exceptions. And so I think focusing on just a small portion of text at a sitting or on a page or every day, that's very helpful for 
certain uh, if you have certain goals. But uh, but obviously, reading larger portions of text, reading verses in context, uh, reading chapters, reading entire books of the Bible, those are the things that uh, that give you real mastery. Uh, and that are really satisfying and that are the real goal, of course, is to read things contextually and re- read large swaths of text. And so I'm trying, I'm trying to focus in the new thing, directions I'm going in on projects that help more uh, with that, with contextual reading and uh, larger portions of text. Um, so yeah, th- those are the main things. But, uh, as I said, we're, you know, we're always trying to brainstorm here, uh, at Hendrickson and I'm, I'm always delighted to hear from, uh, from people about what they think should be out there because obviously I'm one person and I have my own ideas about what kind of resource might work for me or what I think might work for pastors or, um, or scholars or, or students. But, uh, you know, I'm not a pastor myself. And so I don't, fully understand the, you know, the needs and goals of uh, pastors uh, or uh, what they might want or what might be most user friendly for them. And so I'm, I'm always uh, wanting to hear what people have to say uh, in terms of what would be most helpful for them. Well, Jonathan, that sounds both very mysterious and very promising. So we look forward to seeing <laughs> what the outcome of that project and work might be. We've taken up quite a lot of your time today. Really appreciate you coming on to the show to talk to us. Um, And thanks for your time and take care. Thank you so much, Crawford. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate it. It's been great. And thanks to everyone else for listening in today. I'll see you next time on New Books and Christian Studies, a channel on the New Books Network podcast. Mm -hmm.